This is Brad Marchand, and you're listening to Breaking the Ice with Josh Dolan. I don't think he would ever let a pizza get out the door before he buried the whole thing, so he likes to eat that kid. There we go. Yeah, we're on. Welcome. We're waiting for Mike Shu to show up from his bunker. Right. Wearing a blanket that you made from Joanne Fabrics. I didn't make it. My goddaughter made it for me, and I'm. Um, we have no heat. No, I'm joking. It's not that bad. I don't think the virus does that. <laughs> well, it's just going to kill the person that's in in charge of the heat. That's the problem. Oh. <laughs> uh, we got Zoom going. We, we finally got Zoom going. That's not how it worked out yesterday. And it didn't start out like that because we could not hear you. For about no, no. The, before we got to this point, it was 35 minutes of what the fuck is going on with Isaiah's laptop. Yeah, me and Mike Shu could hear and talk to each other, but you were just silent. And I was like, we should just record because this is the only time that we're going to be able to talk over Isaiah. Right, right. <laughs> The one time he shuts the fuck up. It's like, we can say whatever we want about him. He can't do anything. So if you ever use Zoom, you can do it with video and you can do it with audio. And we've just been trying to set this up because it's the new it's the new world. We just want to communicate with people. And um, oh, and every podcast is doing it, by the way. Oh, every, po every podcast is his own country. But and every business, every business yeah. that's every person that's at home that still has to communicate has to go on Skype or Zoom. Um, and, and servers are crashing. Yeah. The internet is, I mean, people use the internet a lot anyway, but it's never been. This isn't, this is intense. I just, I just did a, um, every, every, oh. is that a dog? Yeah. My dad, when, when he sees the neighbors, he loses his mind. So a lot of the time we have to have the windows closed because he obsesses with what's going on over there. Is that Lenny? Yeah, that's Lenny. Lenny! Named after Lenny Clark. Yeah. Oh, is that Mike Shue? Oh, he's in. Yes, it's me. And my little Korean friend. Hello. We're Josh, recording. Did We're I recording. miss eating the toast yet? Don't tell <laughs> Did I miss eating the toast, Josh? Yes, when we first started, I was eating breakfast, and I was eating it very slowly for Mike Shue. Last time I saw, I saw Isaiah's bum cake. We have that here in Korea, but it's made with red bean paste. So we've spent the past 35 minutes e easily spending the last 35 minutes trying to get Zoom to work, and now it works. Nobody can see this video, but Mike is holding up some voodoo doll. We're not recording the video? You know what this know is? You know what this the video is? Part will record. This, this is what this is. Oh yeah. That's a dildo. Oh yeah. Oh, it is. It's an ancient Korean dildo from the feudal period. If you're watching Kingdom. Wait, I think we have a fourth participant joining the, the podcast. Oh. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Dr. Yeah. Bernard? Give, can you guys give like a thumbs up? Cause I can't hear you guys. Okay, you guys can hear me. I right. can hear you. Let me see what's going on with oh, my own he's... audio. You know, I just figured it out. You... Oh, he can't hear me. We just did this with Mike and Josh for an hour. <laughs> we did. <laughs> what, he can't hear you? 
Okay, I can hear you guys. You guys can hear me, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I don't have a webcam on this computer. Sorry, I didn't realize okay. you guys wanted to do. Uh, oh no, we're no, they were just doing video because I'm sorry for our shocking appearance. Yeah. Oh no, no worries. I'm I'm uh, I'm in pajamas myself too. Okay. Wait, wait, wait! I'm not wearing pants. Yeah, this no, is why just... we were all in radio, not TV. <laughs> so, so uh, this one down here. So that's Dr. Bernard. Yes. Hi, Dr. Bernard. I'm Isaiah. Hey, Isaiah. And I'm Mike. Hey, Mike. Josh. Hey, Josh. Well, hopefully this will work today. You're recording, Isaiah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just to, just to recap from the last podcast, we, we started talking to Dr. Bernard, and um, it didn't go so well because we are inept, and we're kind of dumb, and we're unattractive. But um, uh, we were talking about the coronavirus. Now, Dr. Bernard... You are a uh, clinical adjunct professor from the University of Illinois, is that correct? Yes, and my uh, medical training was in toxicology originally, and my main work right now is in medical oncology, so mainly doing cancer research. And we spoke yesterday about uh, the causes, uh, not the causes, but what the, the coronavirus is and uh, you know, we talked about the guy drinking, rubbing alcohol because he thought that would, you know, help him prevent getting the coronavirus. There was also, and I just want to say, I discovered Dr. Bernard through his uh, YouTube, which is uh, at, uh, Chubby Emu on YouTube or um, uh, Heme Review. Stop laughing, Josh. That's his name. I like it. I love it. Sorry, I love it. But uh, he was talking about uh, things people were doing to try to prevent the corona. And, you know, one was drinking the rubbing alcohol. One was drinking bleach, which was just not a good idea. Uh, and they probably got those from pretty unreliable sources on the at what point? At what point in life is it good to drink bleach? Never. <laughs> Thank you. Podcast over. The great thing I learned, though, about drinking bleach, Isaiah, from, uh, from Dr. Bernard's uh, video is that it actually turns into soap on the way down to your stomach. At what point does it kill you? <laughs> like, I don't want to taste soap right before I shit myself and die. <laughs> okay? We're good. He answered, uh, Dr. Bernard, you answered some good questions yesterday. If people haven't heard yesterday's podcast, go listen to that. But we were asking questions about the time, you know, when people cough in their hands and it gets on surfaces, how long the disease can stay alive. And I, if I recall correctly, you know, on cardboard, of course, in laboratory settings, it was up to 24 hours. On steel, it was pretty shocking. I mean, I don't want everyone to lose their mind with doorknobs for the rest of their lives, but this is why we're asking people to quarantine so we can clean it up and get this curve down. I think Mike was going to ask some questions about outdoor activity and what yeah. is acceptable in this time because got to get some, got to get some vitamin D and got to get some oxygen, just, you know, going for a walk or a run and these things are still okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so I believe that like local media out here in DC earlier today, did put out that if you wanted to take a walk outside still, um, that's actually good. Um, just because, you know, you need to get outside with some fresh air and get some blood flowing. But, you know, if you're walking with a whole bunch of people next to you, like it's midtown Manhattan, and you know, your shoulder to shoulder pedestrian traffic, that's probably not a situation that you want to be in. But if you're walking on the street and, you know, say that it's big open place, uh, it should be okay. Um, 
it's just that you don't want to be very close with other people. And so in the study that talked about, you know, cardboard up to 24 hours on a, in a laboratory condition, they did say that there, it could linger in the air for a little bit. But that, to me, is kind of questionable, just because when you're outside, you're going to have, you know, the air is flowing, there's a lot of movement, the temperatures are different from here uh, down in D.C. versus where it, what it is up in Boston. So there's a lot of variability, and it's really hard to adjust for all of that. So it's really hard to say for sure what's happening to the virus after somebody, you know, coughs it out in, in that respiratory droplet. So if you wanted to go outside for a walk, and you know, there's nobody else outside, or there aren't a lot of people, and you're not standing right next to somebody who's coughing and sneezing, uh, it's probably recommended that you do go outside for that walk if you want, but just be careful of who's around you. Um, does the temperature affect this anyway? I've heard people saying, and I've seen it on the internet, well, once it heats up for the summer, it'll go away or it'll kill it. Uh, will extreme cold protect you from it? So that's a good question. We're actually not sure because uh, a lot of like common colds are caused by types of coronaviruses because again, coronavirus is a term for a family of thousands of different kinds of viruses. I think that the reason why we call it specifically the coronavirus and we're referring to SARS-CoV-2, which is the one that's for COVID-19 disease, uh, I think it's, it's a catchier name because if you shorten it down to SARS-2, kind of sounds like a bad movie. And it's, right? it's not a really catchy phrase at all, right? No. And so, and then when you say COVID-19, then, you know, all of a sudden people get confused. They call COVID-19 the virus, but really it's SARS-CoV-2 is the virus. And so uh, a lot of like colds can be caused by a coronavirus, a very generic version of it, we can say. And so that does technically seem to be seasonal because, you know, if you... If it's summertime, you don't see as many people getting colds, right? But once it's wintertime, it's, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time, you know, people start to have runny noses and fevers. And so that's how we associate colds with cold weather. And so we don't know for sure with this virus because it is technically a different virus than the one that causes cold and flu. And so if we look at it, Australia's, uh, today's the first day of spring here in the Northern Hemisphere. And so technically, as of yesterday, it was still summer in Australia, and you know they have cases over there. So it's not like temperature is going to completely nuke the virus. And so we're not 100% sure just yet, but based on the other viruses, it does look like there could be some seasonal variation. But to say for sure that we know, uh, that wouldn't be true because we don't know for sure. Now, we were talking about the guy who drank rubbing alcohol, and obviously you shouldn't be doing that. And if you don't know that, then maybe you should just, sh you should. Um, but, uh, you know, and the guy who drank bleach and people trying these crazy things to prevent getting the virus, what can we actually put into our bodies that is, is safe that will help us maybe, is there anything like eating more fruits and vegetables? Tito's is it just a common sense thing? Tito's vodka. I've been doing whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> At what point uh, so is alcohol video, going to help us or kill our immune system? <laughs> <laughs> so in, in the video, I did bring up that um, in Iran, there were news reports here in the U.S. that there were people drinking industrial strength alcohol Ooh. to cure, quote unquote, 
the coronavirus infection, and uh, they ended up drinking methanol because industrial strength alcohol isn't just what you find in vodka. It's a mixture of multiple different alcohols. And so methanol's uh, moonshine, and it's the bad part of moonshine, and that thing will actually cause people to go blind. Wow. Isn't yeah, that what Betty Ford used to drink? No, that was Kitty Dukakis. Oh, right. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Wow. So yeah. And so alcohol, uh, drinking alcohol, the thing is, is that it ends up becoming like a very weak version of vinegar in your body because your liver breaks it down twice. So first, it breaks it down into the thing that causes the hangovers. Uh, it's something called acetaldehyde, and that thing doesn't disinfect anything. It's actually used as like a scenting chemical. So people who make like perfumes, like they'll use it as like a starting precursor. And then it gets broken down a second time into not actual vinegar, but the other half of vinegar that doesn't do any of the disinfecting. And so drinking like vodka or rum, even if it's like Everclear or if it's like 180 proof, it's still not gonna you know, do anything for the virus inside your body. But it makes okay. it now, I've heard that vodka can actually be used as something that can clean surfaces. Is that true? Uh, if it's 60%, it appears that uh, most alcohols at 60% or a little bit higher, so 70% for rubbing alcohol, does disinfect the surfaces adequately. And so that's based on past knowledge that we have. There's uh, like books that talk about industrial cleaning. And so when you're at like, you know, the huge factory level, cleaning actually, it has a different definition. Uh, it means the transfer of residues from one surface to another. And that's like if you're uh, wiping like a belt that had, you know, peanuts on it or something, basically the peanut leftovers would be transferred from that belt to a cloth. And so a lot of the data that we have for disinfecting surfaces comes out of that literature. And so we found out that actually too concentrated of alcohols don't, they're not as effective in disinfecting surfaces. Whereas around 70% for rubbing alcohol seems to be ideal. And then uh, it does drop off as the concentrations lower. So like 50% rubbing alcohol might not be good enough of getting rid of viruses on a surface, but 70% is good and 91% uh, takes too long to get rid of the virus. Talk but, about um, talk about currency. We we were talking about this before the podcast. Talk about money. A lot of people are making runs at banks and credit unions right now, taking money out just to be you know take to be safe. Um, think about money and and the circulation of money. I mean, what kind of fungus is on money? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, basically with that, I you probably don't want to soak like dollar bills in rubbing alcohol. Right. <laughs> But uh, anytime you touch it, definitely like wash your hands, like and definitely the 20 seconds and then wash it again right after for another 20 seconds. So like reasonably spend a whole minute washing your hands twice and dry Should it. I dump all of my money into the washing machine is what you're saying? <laughs> I do that all the time, not on purpose though. <laughs> I was only able to get $50 out of the bank, but it's in ones and I'm going to start washing that money, damn it. <laughs> Doctor, what about our cars? You know, we're still at this point able to go and drive around and stuff like that. Should we be like wiping down our steering wheels, our dashboards, anything oh, like that? Oh, yeah, God. definitely. Uh, that's recommended if you can. Um, I, I did that 
yesterday, I drove out to go get some gas for the car just in case something like, you know, if I needed to drive somewhere uh, in a couple weeks. And so I brought the can of, um, of disinfectant wipes and then, you know, just rubbed down the steering wheel and the dashboard and also the door handles on the outside and inside. See, my OCD bullshit don't look too bad now, does it, Josh? I know. We make fun of Isaiah for wiping stuff down all the time. He was way ahead of the curve on this one. Now, does sure. that bring, doctor, does that bring my immune system down or am I safer? <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for this particular case, definitely you want to minimize any exposure that you would get to this virus. <laughs> There's been a lot of people that have been saying like, oh, it's just another flu. It's just like another a bad version of the cold. Is it just another version of the flu? Or is this something like a flu on steroids that like somebody my age should really be worried about? And also I have one and a half lungs. So um, I know uh, they've been saying it's really hard on the lungs, but is it is it similar to just the normal flu that we would usually get? Or is this just a new kind of like powerful virus? So that's a good question. Um, the initial reports that came out of China, they actually weren't 100% sure what it was because it looked a lot like a flu. And so the, the part about diagnosis right now and determining whether or not somebody has COVID-19, it comes down to that testing because, you know, we're in a flu season right now. So there's a good chance somebody who's sick, who has a fever, who has a cough, that that stuff could actually just be a regular flu. And so the testing is what's going to help us separate regular flu from the people who have this particular virus. Now, once the people who do have this particular virus, it depends because sometimes they might not have symptoms. So they might not have a flu even, right? Or sometimes they might just have a flu and a cough, uh, a fever, and they might say, I'm just going to stay at home because this is I normally get sick around this time, and this is usually how it feels. But in a subset of patients, so uh, I don't have hard numbers because we're still reporting data, but there's people who do get a really severe fever. They get body aches and pains, and it becomes hard for them to breathe. And you know, a lot of younger people will say, you know what, I can tough this out. It's okay, I'm gonna stay at home, it should be fine. But there comes to a point, and this has been reported in these are case reports, obviously, but uh, from person to person experience, they say, you know, I couldn't take it anymore. So I went to urgent care. They go to urgent care. It takes a couple more days to get the test and then they get the test and they're positive. And all, all of a sudden they need to be put in the hospital. They need to have their own room. And anybody who goes in and out of that room needs to be fully gowned up with the goggles and the suit and everything, because this is now an infectious person. And so the illness is uh, a lot more severe when that illness does show up. So again, some people might have the virus and might not get sick. Some people might have the virus and get mildly sick, but the people who get really, really sick need really, really uh, intensive care. And so it gets to the point where they can't breathe because their lungs are full of mucus. And that's just because the, the virus has started killing all the cells in there the immune system rushes in to try to attack the virus. And while it does it, it swells all this fluid in there. And now all of a sudden that person can't breathe because there's mucus everywhere in their lungs. So the only way to take care of that is to put a tube down their throat and a machine has to breathe for them, has to push pressure through. And that's not even a, a, 
like a guarantee that they're getting all that oxygen. And so when they can't breathe, the carbon dioxide builds up in their body and having a tube down your throat predisposes you to having more infection just from being at the hospital. So there could be bacteria that comes in and also having a virus in your lungs would cause that bacteria to be stronger because now the immune system is compromised because it's trying to fight off that virus. And so now you have two infections. And then what happens afterwards is that then that bacteria spills into the blood. And when it spills into the blood, then the immune system again tries to react, but all of a sudden it's going to lower your blood pressure everywhere in your body because all of a sudden the blood vessels and all of your organs start to open up. And so now your heart can't keep up, so your heart tries to beat harder and faster. And that is then kind of the threshold for where we know, okay, this is uh, probably going to be a fatal case when you look at it. And so no. that's the course of the disease. You know, everything you just said in the past 30 seconds has just scared the shit out of me and I'm never leaving my house. <laughs> and I just have to say that everybody should replay that last 30 seconds of Dr. Bernard describing that because some people don't get it. You know, I, I see videos of kids who are going through with their spring break. You see that video of people uh, in Southie, you know, going to the bars. You see the people in Florida on the beaches. And you know what, you may not go, like he said, you may not go through that sickness, but maybe you're carrying it and somebody does go through that, you know, and, and just hearing you describe that, I'd hate to be the one that caused somebody to go through that horrible, horrible experience. And that's, it should just, it should just send home that message that we should really, really follow what they're saying. Stay home if you can, stay away from other people, um, because that's, that's scary. That's horrifying. Like That's somebody awful. like me, I, about a year and a half ago, almost two years, I had a spontaneous pneumothorax. Would I be someone that is like at high risk for really getting my ass kicked by this thing? Uh, so it's hard to say, um, but that's definitely something to consider that, you know, having had that in your medical history, that it, it, there is a possibility. Um, but we don't know 100% for sure, just because, you know, this virus is so new. And still, we're still trying to figure out uh, how it's infecting people. And so we, we have some ideas based on the science. And there's been a whole bunch of research since the SARS-1 outbreak. And it looks like it's a similar way of how it infects. But I mean, we're looking at a whole lot more cases now than compared with 18 years ago at the first SARS outbreak. I think I have a fever. Oh. Right. It's scary. I have, a, I have a question. I have type 2 diabetes. And with people with type 2 and even full-on you know, type 1 diabetes, is this something we should be watching out for? Um, yes. Anybody that has any kind of uh, pre-existing medical condition definitely need to keep an eye out with that. So every time a patient comes in, we have to do a history and we have to make sure that we know what medicines that patient's been taking you know, what surgeries they've had, what diseases they've been diagnosed with. And when we have that history, we're going to have a better idea of how to treat them and also what's happening to them at that point in time. And so it is important to gather that information. And it is uh, important to think about in context of this disease, especially when we're still not 100% sure what it, it's exactly doing outside of the lungs, because it looks like it also damages the heart. And so the way that it damages the heart is that the same way that it infects the lungs. 
And if we look at the way that it enters into the cells in the lungs, well, those particular proteins also show up on the kidneys. And so when you look at the cases that have been reported in China, some of them also have kidney failure while they have the disease. And a very severe version of the disease, their kidneys shut down completely. And so, you know, in somebody who has diabetes, uh, you have a predisposition to kidney damage later in the progression of the disease if you're not, you know, managing it very well. And so those are things that we have to consider um, when we're looking at the treatment of these patients. Think about all the people this time of year, myself included, about 10 years ago, I got a really, really bad case of bronchitis. And, you know, when that's in you, that's in you, right? You know, and, and you try to battle it off each year, but this, this is what, I mean, that's all in the lungs. So people that have myself every, every year, like clockwork, bronchitis comes in hot and heavy and, you know, you go get the Z pack and you do what you do. But I mean, I, I imagine that myself then, or people with bronchitis or uh, susceptibility to, to higher bronchitis are definitely at risk too. Yep, definitely. I mean, I have asthma myself. And so, you know, that would be probably a risk factor. Uh, hard to say 100% for sure, but based on, you know, the way that this virus works and the way asthma works, definitely looks like uh, it could do some serious damage if I got it too. Right. Wow. Doctor, how has, um, how, how have things like the z pack like Isaiah mentioned, and antibiotics and stuff, has this, has this kind of set up what we're going through now, people taking more and more of that, our immune systems becoming more dependent on pharmaceuticals? Is, is this something that has set us up for the way people are reacting to this virus now? Uh, that's a good question. In this case, I don't think so. Just because uh, antibiotics, they work on bacteria, and this is a virus. Okay. And so this, it doesn't necessarily work directly on the virus. Now, if you have that second infection of the bacteria coming into your lungs after the virus has you know, just killed everything, then there could be some usage there. But in context of you know, maybe Isaiah brought up a good point with the immune system, like is wiping down everything all the time, weakening my immune system because I haven't been exposing myself to these allergens, to these bacteria and viruses that my immune system would have killed and recognized at some later point in time. Those are all good points, but the thing is, is that this virus is something new and it's something that really I don't think has been seen in humans. And so that's the way that it's, that's probably the, the big reason why it's infecting so many people right now is because it evolved to a point where it's just so good at infecting humans and it can replicate so successfully. And that's how it's been able to spread the way that it has been. Now, going back to like what you and Isaiah were saying about wiping everything down and people taking precautions, um, like what can people do like i i know people have been wearing the masks and there's always a debate like do the masks work do they not work and then also there's now i'm i'm not a doctor like you but when i was in the grocery store a lot of grocery stores are empty right now and i noticed the other day that the uh pasta and noodle aisle was completely empty except for one little section where nobody's buying any of the asian flavored ramen and i'm like <laughs> really like you think that's gonna give you coronavirus just because it started in Asia? Could you tell people that Asian flavored stuff is not gonna give them coronavirus? <laughs> Some of that stuff is actually made here in America. <laughs> right. oh, and those masks are made in China. 
Well, just how about how about the level of stupidity when it comes to just the sheer discrimination of the stupid shit people say every day and where things come from and look this is nobody's fault this is something that doesn't discriminate it's a disease this thing doesn't look at race or gender or size i mean you're a doctor right but dr bernard i mean where did this come from how did this get going and more importantly how do we stop this shit yeah that's a good question so the genetic analysis so uh like everyone has like a, a dna genome right and that's the blueprint for our entire body. And so viruses have a really sh short genome compared to bacteria and compared to humans. And so we're able to sequence the genome of this virus. We, they did it in Wuhan when it first came out and then in Snohomish County, Washington when that first patient was there and then also the New York cases and in Iran and in Italy. So they're actually able to track or trace outbreaks based on those genomes because viruses change pretty quickly. And so they know that the case that happened in Snohomish County, Washington back in January, it was reported in New England Journal of Medicine that had links to the Wuhan first cases that happened at the beginning of the outbreak. But then in early of this month, when it started breaking out that you know Seattle was starting to become overflowed with the hospitals and everything, they found out that it looks like that one patient, and there may have been others, was uh, there was cryptic spread going on throughout Seattle during the month of February. And so one of the issues was the testing, because back then, they said that you had to have had prior travel to China in order to be able to be tested for this particular virus. And so, you know, this, the one or a couple people who may have been spreading it may not have had travel to China. They may have been exposed to it. And so that wasn't like a good criteria to say, we're going to test you only if you've traveled to China, because now it looks like it's spread to people who haven't actually traveled anywhere at all and stayed in Washington all throughout February, 2020. And so that's where it starts to get uh, unknown. And when we look at the genome, we can tell, okay, there's definitely been spread and it came from these couple of cases reported on these particular days. Now, when we go all the way back to December of last year, we look at the very early sequences of that virus genome. They found a couple of coronaviruses that have very similar genomes, and those are related to what they call bat-like SARS viruses. Wow. And so those are the ones that would infect bats. But if, they, if they're in a human body, they're not going to infect anything because the spike isn't going to you know, work with anything that's in our body. And so what they think right now is that it came from a bat that changed somehow in another animal, and then somehow it jumped to that other animal. And, this is or, Dracula's fault. <laughs> yeah, vampires. That's what it is. Yeah. But, but the so thing, is, thing is, that um, in Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, like I back in I just I remember in January, um, you know, there was people talking about uh, bat soup and all of that. Um, you, what's interesting, actually, is I have family from the province that's right next to uh, where Wuhan is, and so that that's on my mom's side of the family. And so I asked them. I said, "Hey." Like, I thought people in that region, they, they don't eat animals other than agricultural animals, right? You know, you hear the seafood market, and that was the, the link. That was where they think the epicenter happened. 
And, you know, I, I, I just asked him, I'm like, hey, is it true that people in Wuhan or, or even in that province, they eat bats? And they said, no, we have no idea. Right. And so I was like, OK. And then I have a team of uh, doctors and scientists who actually translate my videos. And uh, they, they upload them in uh, Chinese social media, which is separate than um, what we have here. There's no YouTube over there. They have their own video sharing. So when I asked them, I said, you know, what is, what is this back thing? And they said, we don't know either because it's not mainstream culture over there. And so I'm not saying that it didn't happen. Absolutely. I have no idea. But it seems like they're kind of as weirded out as we are about the thought of eating bats. And so did it come in that second animal? Did the bat infect what they say, like pangolins? Like I, nobody knows, like I, people aren't going to eat pangolins over there. I don't know, right? And so where did it come from? That's a good question. Um, we still don't really know. But what, what we do know is the genome looks like it did evolve from one that did come from a bat based on the similarities of the genetic material. Um, I was reading yesterday that they may have come close to finding a vaccine in Israel for COVID-19. I don't know how true that is. Uh, it seemed to be, it was from the independent UK. I most of the time consider them a reliable source. Uh, if that, I don't know if you know anything about that. And if that's true, how long till after they find a vaccine is it going to take to get it out to people? So the vaccine is going to take a while. And the reason why is that it needs to be tested in people. And the testing is what takes a long time. And so I think uh, just a couple of days ago, I think it was the 16th, is that they actually did the first day of, like, first patient was injected with the vaccine. And so the hurdle there wasn't getting the first patient onto the vaccine. The hurdle is going to be seeing how people respond to it. Because you could give that injection to a bunch of people and have them falsely think that they're immune when they actually aren't. And especially given that the incubation period is still relatively uh, wide, they think that the incubation period, like the, from the day that you get infected to the day that you start showing signs of sickness, could be anywhere between three and seven days. And so a lot of uh, reports come out say in three days, you'll know if you're gonna feel sick in five days, but there's also a maximum. And so some of the papers would say like 24 days maximum, or it even goes up to 40 days maximum. And so the maximums are important to know because just like today, it was reported in uh, Hubei province where Wuhan city is, there were no new cases today Good. on March 19th. And the thing is, is that that's great news. That's a first step, but it doesn't mean that they're out of the clear just yet because it could still be incubating in somebody. And so they still have to be careful about letting that one person who might have it incubating start spreading people again. And so that vaccine, the hurdle is going to be based on that incubation time and how long it takes for the virus to start showing symptoms in people. Um, so, you know, I've heard, uh, uh, I've read things saying that we're going to have to kind of do this, live this way uh, for three weeks, for two months. Uh, I've read all the way up to 18 months, we're going to have to do these practices of staying at home, social distancing. Um, how, uh, in your professional opinion, how long do you think we are going to have to take these precautions? 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, the only good marker that we have is based on where it started. And so like Wuhan City, they locked down on January 23rd. And uh, I think it was at 10 a.m. that day, all of a sudden, nobody could get out of the city. Public transit, trains, highways were blocked by uh, military. And so that was a complete lockdown just because the escalation in the number of cases was starting to really shoot up. And so we have to look at the experiences that are the earliest. And so if they reported no more new cases today, and that was January 23rd when they locked down, we're looking at you know two months that they had. And hopefully the one thing that we could think is that because they were the first, they had it the toughest, and so they had to be the most strict. And so for us, I can't say for sure it's gonna be two months, but we have to look at their own experiences on where it came from. So we're looking at potentially two months, um, but I would have to defer to you know, what you would see uh, from the CDC uh, based on their recommendations. In your opinion, doctor, uh, do you think the United States is doing everything that we can do to stop this because they're, look, daycares are still open until Monday. Public transportation is still moving. Planes are still flying. Let's just get down to the brass tacks. I don't care if we're in China or America or, or Europe. You know, this is something that can move around by touch and, and by various things. I mean, are we doing enough? Should there, I'm not saying there needs to be a full military lockdown or am I? I'm just asking the question, are we doing everything because somebody walking around coughing and sneezing is going to pass it from me to you to him to her, and that's not going to stop this? Are we doing enough? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so far, uh, based on what happened this week, it, it, this was a good move uh, because he, down here in D.C., you can't sit down at a restaurant. The yep. grocery stores have limited hours. Right. I think over up, up in New Jersey, there's a curfew. Uh, I was trying to go get my hair cut. And I can't even get my hair cut because... We're going to be all kinds of hairy after this thing. <laughs> Gyms and no haircuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean I can't go get waxed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is that I think at the medical level, there's definitely some gaps that exist. Yep. So like personal protective equipment. Uh, there was a report that came from a professor at the Harvard School of Public Health, and she put it out. Uh, maybe about 10 days ago as a preprint. So a preprint is they've already submitted it to the journal for publication, but they just need somebody at the journal to check it over. And so in that paper, she highlighted in Wuhan City, before the uh, 42,000 medical volunteers came into that city to help with the outbreak, the doctors there didn't have adequate personal protective equipment. So their eyes were exposed, even though they had the mask on, you, it can still get into your body through your eyes and through other parts of your face. And so that was then when you had all of the, you know, healthcare worker infections. And so, you know, we hear about that whistleblower doctor who ended up dying from the virus. But when you look at the 42,000 volunteers who showed up, they, they had full protective equipment. And so fully gowned up, covered from head to toe, with a mask and goggles. And so zero of 42,000 were infected. And these were people who were there with infected patients in those isolation rooms. And so that's a gap right now because you look at 
the news reports right now and reports from some of my colleagues too, they're making personal protective equipment out of office supplies. Wow. And that's just not good enough for what we have right now. If we can get that kind of mobilization of those, like how those 42,000 people had the protective equipment, that's a good first step right there. And then the next one would be the testing. The testing, people are uh, kind of questioning it. Uh, not questioning how effective it is, but the fact that you, the numbers are going to shoot up all of a sudden and people are going to start to, you know, get really spooked out over it. They're going to think, oh, I can't believe, you know, all these people just got infected over the last couple of days. But the reality is, is that they may have been infected for a lot longer ago. And then that test positive would then add to the numbers because that number is only going to go up for testing positive right, right now. Uh, we're hey, still Mike, in that escalation phase. Mike, uh, plug Dr. Bernard where people can find this guy. This is such good information. And if yeah, um, this podcast is one thing, but where do you find Dr. Bernard out there in the world? Yeah, Dr. Bernard, why don't you tell everybody where they can uh, get your podcast, your video, your vlog, the whole thing. Thanks, yeah. My podcast is named Heme Review. Uh, it's H-E-M-E, -E, uh, kind of like hematology. And my YouTube is Chubby Emu. It's all one word. I know it's a nonsense name. Uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about it uh, ever since because when I started the channel, that was an internet name I used uh, probably about like 20-something years ago. That's Every, every internet account I made, I, I used that name just because I thought, oh, it'll just be for the hell of it. And when the, the channel started to, you know, started to really grow, uh, the name recognition was there. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't change it now. So I'm Chubby Emu, all one word. And that's me on YouTube. And you'll be able to find it. I've made a couple of videos about COVID-19 so far. Uh, the first one was based on the cases that were reported by doctors in Wuhan. And then the second one was based on cases from the poison center uh, here in the United States where people were doing things like drinking rubbing alcohol and bleach, thinking that it would work. But there's, there's other things in there too, because it's like, you know, vitamin C and ginger and garlic. And, you know, people are talking about those things. It is like fighting vampires. <laughs> I was just thinking when he was talking, I'm like, we just got a huge thing of garlic for cooking. I have tons of vitamin C. And what do I drink with my Jameson? Ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to die. Uh, so any no. videos you see put out by Fat Ostrich, not you. You're yeah, dead. right? Yeah. <laughs> here's, what, here's what I want. I want the president of, of the United States and all countries in the next few weeks to be referencing Chubby Emu. <laughs> when, when Donald Trump has to say, and he'll fuck it up, but when he has to say Chubby Emu, my life is complete. <laughs> also, I, I know in D.C. you guys have a lot of sports and restaurants and stuff, but here Used in to. Boston, yes, here in Boston, our whole life is sports and drinking, and we can't do that right now. Are you saying we're not going to see that in, like, the near future? Hockey going to come back. Oh, I, I hope by early summer we, we can see it again. Um, it, it really depends on how, how much or what the extent of the outbreak really was here. I think right now, like in terms of what regular people are doing, we're doing a pretty good job at staying home. I mean, I walk out on the streets here and it, it's empty, right? And DC traffic is pretty awful most weekdays. But, you know, if, if I'm going to, you know, just drive down the street really quick to get lunch or even just walk down the street. It's probably a better option. You know, it's, uh, it's I live in the woods and the 
the trails around here are usually empty, and right now they're crowded. Should I stay away from the trails now? Just stay away from the people. Yeah, stay away from the people. Um, if you could go at like a, like a more remote time, it might be better, like earlier in the morning or later at night. Um, I, like usually when I walk, I'll walk at like 9 p.m. And so, you know, if I take a walk by the Capitol, there's usually not a whole bunch of people there. So there's no worries for me. Any other, any, other, um, any other tips? I mean, you've given us a lot of information. Thank you, first of all, Dr. Bernard, for coming on this podcast. Yeah, but you. anything that, like, if you had a one last takeaway and you had that microphone for a second to say, I, I ask the world to do this one thing or two things, what would you suggest as a, as a medical professional to, to make this better? Wash your hands 20 seconds and do it twice in a row and then dry it with a clean towel. Got it. And stay inside. Yes. Good. All right. Dr. Bernard, thank you so much for joining us, man. I appreciate the time. I know you're really busy these days, but, you know, hope, we just want to get spread the word. We want to get the information out there from a reliable source because there's obviously a lot of unreliable sources that are making people drink bleach. Uh, so, you know, we just want to get it from a reliable source. But, <laughs> Definitely. Um, Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Chubby thank you. Emu. Chubby Emu on, on YouTube and at Chubby Emu uh, on Twitter also. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. All right. That was good. That was solid. Yeah. Um, now it's back to the three of us. It scared the crap out of me. That part oh, where he was describing what happens, the worst case scenario of what happens to your body In if your the life. virus is able to flourish. Um, that should just scare enough people to stop bitching about, oh, you know, I'm not staying inside and I'm still going to the bars or I'm still going to go out and, also, and you hang know what out. I was thinking about this morning is the first time I heard about this was we were doing show prep for one of our shows when we still had a radio station. And you said, and the virus is called coronavirus. And I think we did like a few like funny bits on the radio about yeah. it. And I yeah. completely forgot about it until all of a sudden they were like, we're all going to die next week. <laughs> this came out of nowhere. I think I was, I was, uh, I had gone in to do a week of covering for mornings. And one of the things I was doing was what is this fucking coronavirus? And I literally sat in that AAF studio and called mass general and all these places. And nobody had real, like, I just kept getting put on hold, on hold, on hold, on hold, on hold. And it was kind of like, ha 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 ha. And uh, that was probably a month ago. And that's not fucking funny at all right now. Yeah, we joked about it like the Corona beer, but then it kind of went away for a while. Like everyone forgot about it. It was like a news story. And then I was like, that was a long time ago. People have yeah. to realize the word Corona means crown. And if you look at the green blob with the little crowns yeah. stick, that, that, the word Corona means crown. So it's it has little, yeah, it has little crowns all over it. Right. Like and those crowns are the disease. It's like, I, I mean, I feel bad it's for Corona like beer. a crown royal virus. Right. Not as Crown oil sales are going up. <laughs> beer, not so much. I just want to remind people that um, the reason why this podcast may sound different from the other ones is because we're we're doing this from three different locations. We find the grandmother's club here has finally figured out how to use yeah. Zoom. This took. And, uh, this is funny. Yeah, this is. Guess. I'm actually looking at the time, going shit. It's the middle of the day when we're recording this. Everybody's using Zoom and Skype, and the bandwidth mm -hmm. is. I mean, our last podcast was. Funny, but we sound like fucking morons. It was a mess, but I think we we've got this down. This is what, like we said in the last episode, this is the new reality. Yeah, you know, this is what we have to we we're gonna have to do from now on. So this is how breaking the ice is gonna happen. And you know, we should consider um, 
you know, this, it's pretty funny because right now we're just putting up the audio. Right. But when we do this with Zoom, you have video and we can, you know, like Isaiah's wrapped in an Afghan. I can't you know, take like you to that smallpox blanket, dude. And, um, and then Josh is sitting with a couple of his dogs. I am. Mike's you know. sitting there with no shirt on. It's fucking weird. <laughs> no, I, no, uh, no, I have a shirt on. Okay, Isaiah? It's no the pants? pants that aren't. No pants, right. You should have um, seen what he was doing with that Buddha. Before oh, yes, I have several right, things yeah. on my desk that I was putting on a little show for the guys. Oh, hey, um, big shout out to Chris Riggs and Garage yes. Doors Plus. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. First sponsor. Um, with all the things we're going to send out on social media, we'll make sure that we tag Garage Doors Plus. He's our first big sponsor on Breaking the Fucking Ice, baby. Yeah. I would like to point out that all his garage doors that he installs, Corona-free. No way. Right, there you go. All right. Yeah, so, and if you would like to do that. garage door from Chris, you get a full wipe down? Yeah, that's right. Oh, boy. We better check with him on that first. Uh, So, yeah, if you want to... I know it's uh, I know it's tough times for a lot of people right now, but uh, please consider sponsoring the Breaking the Ice podcast. And please, uh, if you listen to us, uh, please give us a review. Share this, um, like this. Yeah, share it, share it around, like it. Uh, you know, and uh, you can hear it uh, anywhere: Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. Are we on Stitcher, Josh? Do you know? We are apparently. We're on Stitcher also. So anywhere you can get podcasts, we should be there breaking the ice. But thank you very oh, much for. I, I yeah. wasn't recording any of this. Should I have hit the record button? I'm oh, for fuck's it. sake! Oh. Also, pe- people have been reaching out to us, and uh, Mike just it, walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave him an aneurysm. <laughs> we we have had a lot of people that have uh, been reaching out asking us to do extra episodes because nobody's really doing anything and they love the podcast and they're looking for uh, extra content. We're going to do our best to do that. And a lot of the um, fans and like Garage Doors Plus, they're reaching out and helping. Um, and we have Thank Patreon you. members. And I read some of them last week, but I'm just going to read all of them again because we really appreciate you signing up. We have William Anderson, uh, Stacy Hamill, uh, Paul Shadborn the second, who apparently makes uh, trombones. Is it? Yeah, he's a woodwind, or not a woodwind, but a brass guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. An ass and guy. Brass. Yeah, he makes. He horror. has a brass. Ass. I'm leaving again. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, his fuse is short during this lockdown. He's a uh, bitch. Mary Acuna. Uh, Ashley Arsenal and Amanda Walter. So thank, thank you, you. for signing up on our Patreon. We will be putting up extra content um, up there and go to patreon.com backslash BTI. And Mike Shu is back. This is good. No, this is good. Thank you to everybody that's, uh, that's, that's supporting and listening. And you know what? We're, we're in the same position everybody else is in. We're at home. We're just trying to have some fun and communicate. Um, but definitely, when you see this, can oh, you? God. What is he? What are you holding up? That's a picture of Mike Shue at a fucking titty contest when he was at WAF. We should consider putting the uh, video up of this yeah. sometimes. Yeah. If this if this video records, because the, the audio is <laughs> recording, I know that. But as soon as I <laughs> shut off video. Zoom, that's when it goes fucking weird. This is too entertaining. The visual part. We need to start doing. Put that the... picture back up. What would those look like? Fake boobs. You gotta pay for that. Yeah. Do I have to that's, be a Patreon a member of yes, my own? Yes, that's right. You got to pay to see the boobs. Yep. I will give fifteen dollars a month. 
Hey, but on All a right. serious note, thank you to everybody. And, yes, and, thank you. And, and great. Chris is awesome. Uh, Garage Doors Plus, our, our first big sponsor. And it's tough times right now. It's really tough. People are deciding what to do with their money, what to do with their business, what the fuck to do every day with themselves. And we're in this with you. So we'll, we'll keep doing them. I had a bunch of my friends say, fuck it, you guys should do this every day. I'm like, you know, I'm running out of things to do. <laughs> I'm not doing this every day. You guys are fucking assholes. I can't deal. Fuck you. I'm just not going to deal. Again. You're just grouchy. <laughs> That's all. Now, oh, the last podcast ended very well. That, that back and forth with your daughter was solid. Did we get her to give the five reasons why your wife makes her insane. Let's let's end this now. We're ending right. it now. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll uh, hopefully get up another podcast real soon. Hey, so. me off the record. Fuck these two guys. Stay Wash safe out there. your hands and your balls. Wash that blanket. If I push stop and this thing fucks up, you better be careful. Yeah, you better have what been I, recording. What am I hitting? What your am I going to hit? on the line right now. What? Your life is on the line. Shit. <laughs> and you were recording, right? God, oh, I hope so. Totally recording. Yeah. recording in the corner. Yeah, but we're back to being old women. Do I just hit stop recording? Yeah, I would assume so. Oh, we don't know what we're doing. You're nervous. <laughs> you think? Oh, I just fucking <laughs> did it. Don't touch your face. <laughs> I'm pulling my eyebrows out. All right, because it says when you end the meeting. Ooh, ooh. End the meeting. Don't hit delete. I'm going to pee my pants. I can't do this. I can't have this kind of fucking pressure. So hit, just hit stop recording. It should. Um... Here we go.